When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been covering the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and hosting this podcast for 89 episodes and counting. It is now January the 8th. 2024 with a new year it's the start of a new season for this podcast for now this means nothing other than season two will pop up in episode descriptions i do have some hopeful plans for later on but thank you for joining me for another year and soon to come another hopefully great orioles season in today's episode we're going to talk about what little has happened in birdland since the last episode of 2023 about this week's coming salary arbitration headline and some fun at least for me orioles related future hall of fame chatter so in the three weeks since the most recent episode of the show essentially nothing has changed with the orioles The most recent transaction that affected the 40-man roster happened on December 18th as the team acquired 26-year-old righty pitcher Jonathan Heasley from the Kansas City Royals for an 18-year-old rookie-level prospect Cesar Espinal. Heasley allowed 12 earned runs in 15 innings for the Royals last season, and he's got a 5.45 ERA through 133 and two-thirds big league innings. So basically, I think in getting Heasley, the Orioles are thinking about how in 2013, they turned Ryan O'Hearn, who had been languishing four years with the Royals, into a contributing big leaguer just by freeing him from Kansas City. Maybe they think they can do that again with Heasley, or maybe I will never think about him again until he is designated for assignment at some point during the season. And of course, as we all know, the Orioles, they haven't made their big starting pitching move. I assume anyway there's going to be a big starting pitching move, 
But that's what I thought last year around this time. And the move they ended up making was trading for Cole Irvin. So, you know, uh, but whatever, for whatever it's worth, at least two local beat writers, uh, Masson's Rock Kubatko and Orioles.com's Jake Rill have already predicted in the early days of 2024 that the Orioles will make a starting pitching acquisition, probably by trade earlier this month. So, you know, it's an interesting data point. Also, it's totally meaningless uh, until something happens. So, you know, whether the Orioles end up getting Milwaukee's Corbin Burns or Chicago's Dylan Cease or someone who's not been mentioned among likely trade candidates for more than a year, it's all anyone's guess. You know, a year ago, no one would have predicted the Orioles would get Irvin as a uh, rotation addition. And as it did work out, uh, he wasn't even exactly an addition to the rotation. But it is worth remembering, nonetheless, that Mike Elias surprised us then. He could surprise us again and end up aiming lower than fans would generally like him to aim. So looking at the baseball offseason calendar, there is one deadline that's coming later this week as Friday brings with it the deadline for teams and their arbitration eligible players to either settle on 2024 contracts or exchange salary figures for a potential hearing next month. Uh, Getting to the exchange salary stage is noteworthy in recent baseball because teams have tended to adopt what is dubbed a file and trial approach, which means if they get to the point where they file numbers, uh, they just take it to an arbitration hearing, which arbitration hearings are generally agreed to be contentious, unpleasant. The player uh, has to sit there while someone who works for the team talks uh, to an arbitrator about how much the player essentially sucks and is not worth the money that he's asking for. Sometimes it can be bitter. Sometimes it doesn't end up being bitter. Uh, I, I just don't think there's, there's very little benefit for the team taking teams taking hard line, but many do some do over like a quarter million dollars uh, gap between the two sides. Still, they go in and talk about how much their player sucks. I don't know. Um, There haven't been many hearings under the Mike Elias era, so we'll see what happens this year. It's kind of a big day for the Orioles in that they have 13 arbitration-eligible players still to settle contracts with uh, over the course of this week. But it's also not a big day because the Orioles already decided back when there was the tender deadline six weeks ago that they were committed to paying uh, these players some kind of arbitration salary to be determined exactly. The whole shebang is going to range from projected about $12 million for Anthony Santander down through a projected like $1.3 million for CNL Perez. So the team's opening day payroll, including all of their arbitration cases, is currently projected, uh, according to Fangraph's roster resource, for $73 million, which is $13 million more than last year's opening day payroll. It would set up the Orioles with the number 28 payroll of the 30 MLB teams ahead of Pittsburgh and Oakland. Last year, the Orioles were ahead of only Oakland. So, you know, a year from now, it might be some bigger arbitration numbers as Adley Rutschman's going to hit his first year. He's probably going to have a pretty nice uh, first-year arbitration payout. Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins will hit their third years of arbitration. Those guys each could end up in the double, uh, excuse me, double-digit millions, so $10 million or more. But the Orioles, they've got a long way to go to approach even an average payroll. They would have to double 
their current payroll just to come close to being the uh, number 15 team payroll in MLB. So even with some coming arbitration years over the next uh, raises over the next few years, as like there's going to be years where Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson are both getting arbitration in the same year, those could get expensive. But, you know, it's not going to get to $150 million payroll unless the Orioles start signing some substantial free agents, which, I, you know, let's not even get into that whole thing. There's nothing new to say about it as we come into the 2024 season. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor, after which we are going to talk about some things relating to the Baseball Hall of Fame. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. So in recent years, the early weeks of January have become a time for speculation about that year's baseball Hall of Fame voting. Uh, that's because baseball writers with Hall of Fame votes have to have their ballots postmarked by December 31st of the previous year. So a number of them choose to write articles or even just post tweets about uh, their this year's Hall of Fame choices for them once they have made them. This whole infrastructure you may be aware of has sprung up uh, in which publicly revealed ballots are tracked, chances of election are dissected, and projections are even made based on voting histories of assorted voters and how they've uh, voted in a particular year. If you're not into it, honestly, it's kind of wild as a person who loves just seeing numbers that are always going up or changing or whatever. I am fascinated by it, of course, as a lifelong baseball fan. I am interested in uh, seeing who gets into the Hall of Fame, though I think that 
the Hall of Fame is not going to be complete until the Hall uh, changes its feelings and does things that allow Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens to make it into the Hall. But that being said, this year, prognosticators are currently pointing to Adrian Beltre and Joe Maurer getting elected into the Hall of Fame and uh, holdover ballot guys from previous years, Todd Helton, the longtime Rocky, and Billy Wagner, a uh, one of the all-time MLB saves leaders. They might potentially squeak above the 75% threshold, but they might potentially have to wait until next year. But what all of this has to do with the Orioles uh, is that now with Hall of Fame, not really fever, but Hall of Fame, uh, let's say pollen in the air, uh, writers on different sites are speculating about Hall of Famers who might be in the game right now, only we just don't really know yet that they're going to turn into Hall of Famers. And since the Orioles actually have good and even great players now, uh, Orioles players are starting to crop up in discussions like this, which I think is pretty darn cool. Uh, at MLB.com over the past week, Mike Petrello observed that through baseball history, there's generally 35 or more Hall of Famers active in a given season, so a little bit more than one per team right now. And as he surveyed the field of 2024 players, Petrello included Adley Rutschman as a possible uh, future Hall of Famer in a group along with other what he dubbed Young Right Now stars. And he also mentioned the possibility of Gunnar Henderson in that group, since, of course, Henderson is so young and just had such a great season. And elsewhere on Fangraphs, Michael Bauman, no relation to the Orioles pitcher that I know of, also zeroed in on Henderson, along with Kansas City's Bobby Witt Jr. as two players who just turned in great seasons at shortstop while being age 23 or younger. Never mind that Henderson split time between shortstop and third base, but at the core of Bauman's article is that historically, Players who are shortstops and are great at such a young age, that is, age 23 or younger, have generally gone on to pretty darn strong careers, potentially even Hall of Fame careers. Relevant to Orioles fans, this is a list that includes among the Hall of Famers, Cal Ripken Jr., of course, one of the most slam-dunk Hall of Fame careers of all time. Also on the list is Bobby Gritch, who will someday make the Hall of Fame when justice is served and uh, voters in whatever committee actually look back on his remarkable career for the era that he was in. And among active players, the list that uh, Bauman assembled includes former Oriole Manny Machado, who is now heading into his age 31 season with 54.9 baseball reference war already under his belt. The fun thing, I think, for Orioles fans, basically, is that, uh, you know, from the 2018 trade deadline until the 2022 debut of Adley Rutschman, Orioles fans were pretty much completely excluded from the idea that we might be watching a future Hall of Fame player on our favorite team that season. If there is, on average, one Hall of Famer per team, certainly the uh, the Orioles of those years were not sharing in that and whoever would have been quote unquote, the average you would expect for one team uh, for the Orioles for those years was on some other team. So the fact that now people are starting to think, Hey, you know, maybe there's guys with some hall of fame potential on the Orioles right now. I think it's one more marker of things getting fun again, that these kinds of articles are being written. Multiple current Orioles are getting mentioned in them. So, I mean, of course, uh, Rutschman and Henderson each are along long way from having Hall of Fame careers when all is said and done, 
But by getting off to great starts at premium positions, they've done all that they can through these early season. Well, for Adley, it's two. For Gunner, it's one uh, of their career. It's just, it's cool to have our favorite guys on our favorite team starting to be included uh, in these kinds of discussions, I think. But it is going to be a long time before there is a Hall of Fame election that has much emotion in it for Orioles fans in the way that, say, Rockies fans are currently invested in Todd Helton, or Phillies fans are invested uh, in Chase Utley or Jimmy Rollins. It's it's going to be a while um, because, I mean, once the baseball writers got their heads out of their butts and elected Mike Mussina, that was really all that Orioles fans were going to get for a long time. Mussina, of course, did not go in with an Orioles cap, but I think the Orioles should do everything they can to claim Mucina as one of their greats. And it's it's really a shame they haven't managed to do it yet. I'm not as worked up about them needing to instantly retire his number since, as it has turned out, uh, Adley Rutschman has the same number that Mike Mucina used to have. But, uh, you know, the Orioles, uh, they should really, they should do everything they can to claim Mucina because there hasn't been much other than Cal Ripken to get excited about on the team since, let's say, Camden Yards opened. Uh, in terms of, you know, Hall of Fame guys that were here for a long time. But anyway, so Manny Machado, he's the only active or even recently retired Orioles player with a strong career to speak of. Uh, And if he plays to the end of his contract in 2033 and then is elected uh, right away when eligible, which I believe would be then in 2039, that's 15 years away. As we know, it's not like he's going to go in primarily as an Oriole. Uh, Unlike Mucina, it's probably not going to be the case that Machado will end up having played the most years or uh, the best years necessarily in an Orioles uniform. So really, uh, Orioles fans are just not going to have any reason to plan any induction weekend trips to Cooperstown for a long, long time, unless one of these committees elects Buck Showalter as a manager and... uh, I, I don't know about you, but that would not get me to plan a trip. Of course, I, I've never been to Cooperstown at all, so uh, I don't know. But while all of these writers were thinking about current players and hypothetical scenarios turning them into Hall of Fame careers, I've been thinking instead about really a couple of great Orioles from the previous decade plus uh, and what might have had to happen to turn their careers into Hall of Fame careers. One guy, starting about six years ago, people started latching on to was uh, Nick Markakis, just in a player to wonder what kind of Hall of Fame case he might have if somehow something weird happened and Nick Markakis made it to the 3,000-hit benchmark in his career. Markakis, at the time, people really uh, kind of started bandying him about in this way, had uh, 2,052 career hits through his age 33 season. So an answer to that speculation was basically, what if he did get to 3,000 hits, which has been more or less an automatic Hall of Fame benchmark for every player who has not been caught betting on baseball or linked in some way to steroids? Um, would would Markekis still have gotten in, or would he have not gotten in, but wouldn't it have been an odd thing to talk about? At that point, Markekis only needed to average 190 hits per year for another five years. I put some heavy air quotes around only because Marquecas had only ever topped 190 hits one time in his career, that all the way back in his sophomore season in Major League Baseball. As things actually worked out, Marquecas only made it 
three more seasons, one of which was the pandemic season of 2020. So he ended up finishing with 2,388 hits. That is currently 127th on the all-time career hits list. Plenty respectable. He sits not far below former Oriole Sammy Sosa, as well as former Oriole Miguel Tejada, who are in 124th and 125th, respectively. It's just, uh, it's not automatic Hall of Fame territory. So, Marquecas, great career, fine Oriole. Hall of Famer, no. Would it have been cool if he made it to 3,000? Absolutely. But he came up 612 hits shy. So, really, not all that close when you get down to it. But if I'm being honest, the recent former Oriole who I would have most liked to wheel into a Hall of Fame level career was Adam Jones. I mean, who doesn't love that guy? It's probably because he was the greatest player of the first good Orioles team of my adult lifetime. And really, he had an attitude full of swag that I think perfectly matched that surprisingly ascendant 2012 Orioles team. Among other things, I will never forget how when then-Yankee Masahiro Tanaka came over to the United States, players were always being asked about uh, ending up going to face uh, this Japanese star, much like I think players are going to get asked about Yoshinobu Yamamoto coming here in 2024. So Jones was asked what he thought about having to face Tanaka, and what he replied was, why don't you ask Tanaka about facing me? What a legend, man, honestly. Uh, Hall of Famer, not so much. Jones ended up finishing with 32.6 BWAR in his career. You've really got to get up to about 60 war on the career list before you get where more players than not are Hall of Famers. And it's basically 70 where everybody is either in, going to be in, or they bet on baseball, or they got linked to steroids. Oh, or they're Bobby Gritch, who we already mentioned earlier in this episode, who finished at 71.1 B-War for his career. Again, somehow got essentially no Hall of Fame consideration by the voters of his time by any of the committees uh, since then. It's just, it's horrible. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Gritch, he should be another former Oriole in the Hall of Fame. Oh, and also for the sake of thoroughness, Carlos Beltran sits at 70.1 B-War. He could also end up as his own special case here uh, as he's kind of ended up as the public whipping boy for the Astros trash can banging business. He uh, lost the job as Mets manager before even getting to manage a game after uh, he had already been hired for that, but then that uh, trash can story broke before Beltran could uh, take the helm in a game. He, you know, he was the first prominent player to retire, and so he's the first prominent guy named there to end up on a Hall of Fame ballot. I think if it wasn't for that, he would have been a first ballot guy. Um, it seemed like maybe, okay, they would voters would decide, well, I'll just not vote him in on the first year and then elect him on the second year in the way that happened with Roberto Alomar uh, over his one really career incident where he ended up spitting on the umpire, of course. Uh, so voters didn't vote him in in the first year. Um, they did vote him in in the second year. Beltron, he's not trending towards second year elections. So I don't know if that's going to mean there is a sufficient one quarter of uh, voters who will never vote for him, which ended up keeping out ultimately Bonds and Clemens. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know what will happen with Beltron. So, yeah, maybe he'll get his own group. But anyway, Adam Jones, well... Uh, he wasn't ever great enough in his 20s. He managed 28.6 BWAR before turning 30. Again, it's a respectable number. It's not, um, 
it's not the future Hall of Fame number because, again, going back to Manny Machado, who through his age 30 season, 54.9 war. So not quite double what, uh, what Jones had heading through um, his age 30 season, but it, it's pretty close to double. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, he, uh, he then fell off the table not far after turning 30, of course, getting just four B-war for the remainder of his career. So with Jones, it's like if he had been 50% better in his 20s in terms of war and then declined more graciously from there, um, maybe he would have gotten close by the end of his career, which is another way of saying he was not actually all that close. Someday the Orioles Hall of Fame will come calling for Jones and deservedly so for Mark Hakus also, I think. And really just about all of the players who were there for um, significant chunks uh, of time and overlapped with the 2012 to 2016 Orioles era. But, you know, Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, other than Machado and, of course, uh, Jim Tomei was around at the end of 2012. He snuck in, things like that. But primarily Orioles in there, uh, not so much. So that's all that I've got for today. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite platform. I will be back every Monday morning for the rest of the offseason. And if there is a big pitching trade or signing, I will be back as soon as possible after that happens. Next week's episode goes live on the day that the International Amateur Signing Period opens for the year, so I'm going to be looking back on how Elias signed players from previous international classes have done in the farm system so far. Remember, you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com if you have a question or a comment you would like to be read or answered in any future episode, or if you just have any feedback about the show that you would like to keep off the air. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. This is Mark Brown, signing off.